asking the question, Wow, Paul, where in the world do we get that love? How in the world am I ever going to be able to love my husband and ever going to be able to love my wife in that way? Can I give you the good news? You can't. <laughs> and when you get there, you're in a great place. You, you have to, I have to, and this hits me every time I do this material, I have to confess, I do not have the ability to do this. It's only by God's grace that we can do this. Look at John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an only sacrifice for our sins. This is love... This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. I want to give you this phrase in this way. Love rescues you from love so that you would be able to love. Let me say it again. Love rescues you from love so that you would be able to love. Love rescues you from love so that you would be able to love. Here it is. Here's the plan. The God who is love sent the Son of His love to rescue you from your bondage to self-love so that you would be able to love others. Let me say that again. The God who is love sent the Son of His love in order to rescue you from self-love so that you would be able to love as He has intended for you to love. Now here it is. In Jesus Christ, we absolutely do find the grace necessary to love as we have been called to love. 2 Peter 1 says that He has already given us everything we need for life and godliness. Hear this, brothers and sisters. Jesus Christ didn't just die for your future. Jesus Christ died for your here and now. He died so that you would have what you need to live in the way that He called for you to live. It's not enough for us to believe in life after death. We better be, begin to believe in life before death, right? A quality of existence that would not otherwise be possible apart from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're in a conversation that's beginning to heat up, you better grab a hold of the gospel and say, Jesus Christ died so that we would say and do what we should say and do in this moment. Let's pray right now for His grace. Because what you do not have the 
independent capacity to do, you have been made able to do by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise Him for that. You can never sit in your marriage and say, if I only had X, I would be able to love my husband and wife. Because Jesus provides everything you need to love that flawed person that he has brought into your life. Now there's a couple other things I think this passage says that I think are helpful. First is, John says, we ought to love one another. When you hear the word ought, it's very easy to think of that just as a word of obligation. You ought to pay your taxes. That's obligation. (coughs) But ought can also be a word of design. And I think there's that flavor in this passage. We were designed to love. People ought to love. Hear this. Birds ought to fly. Water ought to be wet. Night ought to be dark. Honey ought to be sweet. Fish ought to swim. People ought to love. You were designed to love. Designed by creation. Designed by recreation in Christ Jesus. It's your very design that you were meant to live in loving community with God and loving community with others. When Christ defines a successful human being, what is his definition? Love God above all else, love your neighbor as yourself. You were designed to love. Something terrible, awful, ugly, destructive happens when human beings don't love. Lack of love breaks down families. Lack of love breaks down neighborhoods. Lack of love breaks down communities. Lack of love breaks down government. Lack of love brings global war. Lack of love is a bad thing. People were designed to love. It's built into the very nature of the way God constructed us. And something weird happens when we don't love. Think about this. You don't expect to go to your neighbor's house and see his poodle in an aquarium. Think about that. Because poodles don't do well underwater. In case you hadn't figured that out. Don't try it. It leads to poodle euthanasia. Uh, Poodles don't live in that environment because they weren't designed to do that. You won't expect the other neighbor, you won't expect to look out the window and see the other neighbor walking his goldfish on a leash down the street. Sorry, I think of these things. Uh, In the same way, it should be that weird to us when people don't love. Hear this. Wife, If you are not consistently loving your husband, you are a fish on a leash. Husbands, if you're not consistently loving your wives, you're a poodle in an aquarium. Because from God's standpoint, it is strange when human beings don't love. It's what they were created to do. 
And so love rescues us from love so that we would love others as we've been chosen to love. There's one other thing I think this passage can help us with as we think about this thing called love. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 is just one single sentence. We love because He first loved us. Get this. Love is only ever produced by gratitude. Love is only ever produced by gratitude. Duty is not a very good initiator of love. And you know that's true. Imagine me plopping down on the couch next to my dear wife Luella and saying to her these words, you know, I've been reading my Bible and it tells me I'm supposed to love you. So I want you to know I'm going to determine to do that because that's what God calls me to. And so you can be sure I'm going to love you. Because it's what I'm supposed to do. Now, you think Luella would run out of the room. He loves me. He loves me. Oh, I'm so... I may get a bloody nose. I mean, she should be outright, shouldn't she? Because what instinctively she knows, what does she instinctively know? That's not love. That's not love in any way, shape, or form. We love because He first loved us. When I wake up in the morning, and yes, the woman laying next to me is not perfect, and yes, my kids are on all levels of sin-driven dysfunction, and yes, I live in a fallen world, but I wake up in the morning and say, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm loved. I can't believe that God has come into my life. I can't believe that He's saved me. I can't believe that He's operating in this family. I can't believe that He's given me His grace. I can't believe that He's revealed His will to me in the way that He has. I can't believe that He forgives me again and again and again, although I blow it over and over and over again. I can't believe all the wisdom that's come into my life because of the beauty of His Word. I can't believe it. I can't believe out of the mass of humanity that somehow, someway, I've been loved by God this way. Oh, I, lo- I just can't believe this is my identity. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. I'm loved. That will result in me wanting to give the same thing that I've been given to the people who are in my life. I think much of our lack of love is rooted in what I would call identity amnesia. We forget who we are. We forget the richness that's been given to us. Listen, husbands, if you're, if you're one of God's child, if you are a Christian, if you are a son of God, there is never a day in your life when you aren't loved. 
If your wife treats you cruelly, you can go to bed that night and say, I have been dramatically loved today. Because God loves me. And He'll never turn His back on me. He'll never reject me in my moment of need. He'll never mock me. He'll never throw my sin in my face in an ugly way. He'll never respond to me with impatience and prejudice. He'll never wrongly put me down. I am loved every moment of my life with glorious, beautiful, perfect, bountiful, transforming love. I'm loved, I'm loved, and loved. Listen. When you realize, when you begin to grasp how fully you have been loved, you want that love to splash over to the people who are in your life. Do you remember that dear woman who poured expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus and then shockingly dried those feet with her hair? What an act. And the Pharisees were harumping in the background because that offended them. They thought that was a waste. And Jesus said, the one who is forgiven much, can you finish it? Loves much. Nobody gives grace better than the person who is deeply persuaded that he needs it as well. No one loves better than the person who realizes my life has been totally altered by the love of God. Every anniversary, when Llewellyn and I look back on our years together, we are hit with the love of God. And we think, where would we be? What would our stories be like? Husband, what would your story have been like if God hadn't entered your story? Wives, what would your personal story have been like if God hadn't entered your story? What would our marriages be like Oh, you say, my marriage is not perfect. Mine hasn't been perfect either. But, but Lowell and I are very, very aware of how we've been blessed with the wisdom of God. We know and understand things that have made our marriage so much better. But it's not just that. It's that God has come and He's made us the place where He dwells. And so I'm, I'm unkind to Luella and I walk away and I want to tell myself it was, was not so bad. But what's, something happens inside of me. There's pain inside of me. You know what that is? That's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's God loving me. That's God not letting me live that way and He draws me back and, and I don't want to go back to Luella but I, I know it's what's right to do. That's the magnificent love of God drawing me back. That's, that's love. It's, it's where would we be without that love? You see, that's 
the source of love of other people. We love because He first loved us. True, pure, perseverant, biblical love is not formed out of duty. It's formed out of gratitude. True love is rooted in thankfulness. True thankfulness is rooted in worship. I love because I'm thankful. And I'm thankful because I praise God for things that I know I couldn't have done myself. To the degree that you take credit for your good marriage, to that degree you won't be grateful. And to that degree you won't love. But when you begin to worship God, you are thankful. And because you're thankful, you love in ways you otherwise would not love. True love is rooted in thankfulness. And thankfulness is rooted in worship. We're right back to where we began. A marriage of unity, understanding, and love is not rooted in romance. It's rooted in worship. And when you get that, you're on the road to real practical changes in your marriage. Well, I want to pray with you. We're going to take just a stand-up break. Please don't leave the room unless you have to utilize the facilities or facilitate the utilities. And uh, then we, we will take one final step in asking the question, okay, what does a marriage rooted in worship actually look like? I want to give you some practical things. Uh, let's pray again. Lord, it is amazing how the truths of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ speak right in to the recesses of our struggle into the very moments of our lives. And thank you that you never leave us by ourselves. We never enter a relationship or location or situation first. You are there. And you are there with your wisdom. You're there with your love. You're there with your grace. Lord, help us to be deeply grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen.